I will look up. What a great song. What a great way to start our Sunday together. Let's look up at God. Let's not look at all the things around us and all the distractions. Let's look into his holy word together. Church, thank you for being here today. Can you believe it's been 11 weeks as an online church for us and so many other churches across the country? You've done a great job hanging in there, but I want to challenge you. Make it a priority to be together in all of our weekends services online in the scriptures. You're doing great using all the content throughout the week, reaching out to each other, being generous, helping, serving. It's incredible what our food pantry ministry is doing. It's incredible how you're giving and serving to one another. And it's just been thrilling all the encouragement and love that you're sending to people like me and Colin and Ashley and Ian and Andy and others who are doing ministry and are bringing these things to you online. We're so thankful for it. We love you so much. I'm in the middle of three weeks on one little passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Three weeks exploding two simple verses so that we can know what a powerful resource the Word of God is. Now, I told you last week that old proverb, you can give a man to fish and he eats for a day, or you can teach a man to fish and he he eats for a lifetime. I suppose he keeps fishing too. And what we want to do with the Bible is not just give you stuff that you can drink up when we teach and that you can be filled with and then try to survive. But we're doing a lot in this next month to help you feed yourself in the Bible. Do not miss Colin's Deep Cuts video, which will be released at two o'clock every Sunday afternoon. Don't miss Ashley's Through the Bible. Don't miss your small group meetings and all of the other content that we're making available six days a week so that you can draw near to God. So last week in 2 Timothy, I talked about how reliable and trustworthy the Word of God is. Today I want to start in on what the Word of God is for in your life and my life. My big idea is that God's Word exists to lovingly and totally transform the way you believe, think, live, and relate. Now let's look at the scripture for the second week in a row together again. And as we burrow in further each week, I hope you get more and more to apply to your life. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Last week was the reliable foundation. Today, life change for you and me. And then in week three, we'll get into the purpose that the Bible has in your life towards others. But don't miss, God's word is not a textbook. It's not a source of inspiration alone. But God's word exists to lovingly and totally transform the way you believe, the way you think, the way you live, and the way you relate. God's word wants to make you the best that you can be, but not by your standards or my standards, not by the world's shifting standards, but by the rooted and foundational standards of God himself. Now, I want to start today with a controversial thought. Are you ready? You are not okay. You are not okay the way you are. (gasps) Gasp! Now, don't be confused. God loves you deeply and thoroughly. God has still fearfully and wonderfully made you and knows every hair on your head and every thought 
in your head and heart and all of those beautiful truths. But thanks to the Bible, the inspired and trustworthy word of God, you, are, you and I are on a transformational journey. A transformational journey to a place called Christ-likeness. A journey that is aided and powered by the Holy Spirit as we reverence God the Father, exalt Jesus the Son, and are engaged with his written and revealed word, the Bible. Christianity is all about transformation, all about God saying, I will be faithful to complete in you the work that I began at your salvation. In Romans 8, 29, it says, for those whom he, God, foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. 1 John 2, 6 reminds us, whoever says he abides or lives in Jesus ought to walk or live in the same way in which Jesus walked. Now, what about the Bible? Is the Bible only a source of knowledge or a source of history or a source of doctrine and theology? The Bible says so much of its, in and of itself about what it's for. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, which we learn comes through the Bible. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing. 1 Peter 2.2 commands us to long for the pure, spirit, uh, the pure spiritual milk of the word so that by it you may grow up into salvation. Psalm 119.11, the psalmist reminds us and tells us about himself, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Proverbs 4.5 says at all costs, get wisdom. Do not turn away from the words of God. 1 Peter 1.23 reminds us that since you have been born again through the living and abiding word of God. The Bible all over the place tells us, if we're missing it, we're missing it on purpose, that God's Bible is an engine for transformation in our life, spiritual transformation. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. Let's walk through it. Let's go slow, but let's get it right. All scripture is breathed out by God. Remember, that was last week, breathed out by God and profitable. What does it mean that the Bible is profitable? In Greek, it's ophilimos, something like that, beneficial towards. To be profitable is for something to be beneficial towards purpose and value. Now, last week, after stating and teaching that the Bible is breathed out by God, St. Paul spells out its purpose and value for the individual life. Scripture, he said, is profitable. Everyone wants to be profitable. It's a great word for the era we're in because as our economy is tanking, as we worry about our finances, both individually uh, in our city and our state and our nation, we almost have to remember, Oh yeah, profitability, that was the point of business, of economics. Growing and gaining and surviving, that's how you stay in business. Well, growing and gaining and surviving in knowledge and life change is the point 
of the Christian business. St. Paul tells us that the Bible is profitable. It's going to give us a payment. It's going to give us a reward and a treasure for several things. We could go throughout the Bible and find dozens and dozens of them. Let's stick to these two verses and let's look at a couple. The Bible is profitable. It says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for, first one is teaching. The Bible's profitable for teaching. I want to use a slightly different word, but teaching works just fine. It's profitable for doctrine. What Paul is getting at here is not just uh, a person standing up or sitting down and talking about the Bible, but that sound doctrine or belief is profitable for us. It's not just about the guy giving a talk or a sermon. It's about the bedrock truths of teaching and doctrine. Though we live in a time when simple, truthful teaching is often unwanted and discarded for more exciting and more felt exciting things, the Bible, especially the New Testament, places tremendous value on teaching and doctrine. You and I, to be profitable in our Christian life, need to know what we believe about the spiritual, the practical, the relational, things like eating and drinking and living, healing, love, forgiveness, attitude, behavior, mind, will, and heart. This doctrinal teaching is profitable for the church. And St. Paul tells us over in Ephesians 4 what it's for. It says, Jesus himself gave some for this ministry of teaching and doctrine, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. God's word exists not solely for knowledge, emotion, or inspiration, although those are wonderful, important things, God's word exists to lovingly and totally transform the way you believe, think, live, and relate. And remember, with all love and with all grace, you and I are not okay. God's still working on us. We're not okay the way we are. Are we loved the way we are? Are we accepted the way, you, that, way that we are? You bet we are. But God has a transformation in mind for us, and he wants to do it through his holy word. Let's keep going in 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, and then it gives us two things that we're not attracted to, for reproof and correction. The Bible is also profitable. It's gonna make a payment to us for reproof and for correction. We need Reproof. You may not use or know that word. It's just what it sounds like. Sometimes it says being rebuked. We need reproof and correction. It's fashionable in some circles to approach the Bible with only our intellect. Some call themselves scholars of the scripture and they place themselves above the Bible. This is very fashionable, has been for several hundred years. To place themselves above the Bible and to seek to correct the Bible and tell us what is so wrong with the Bible. But if I'm right, if we're right, if 2,000 years of foundational standard church history is right and the Bible is the word of God, could there be anything more arrogant than telling the Bible, Bible, you're wrong? It is God who corrects us. We don't correct him. 
Reproof, Greek, elegmon, evidence, conviction, a legal word. Correction, Greek, epinorthosin, correction, discipline, accurate placement. The Greek for correction is very interesting. I think the reproof one is kind of simple. The Bible's going to get in our face, get in our business, tell us where we need uh, conviction and convict us of our sins. But this correction one is interesting. It's a straightforward translation in this passage, kind of simple words, correction, discipline. But as you investigate its other usages and forms, different forms of the same or similar word in other places in Scripture, you see the root form of this word used very interestingly. Jesus giving the exact placement of the boat for the miraculous catch of fish in calling his disciple. Similar word for the exact placement. The specific person when Jesus instructs the 72 disciples to go out and minister and how to recognize the one who will receive their teaching. Similar word for the exact specific person on whom the peace of God will rest in Luke chapter 10. In Acts 15, when they're trying to figure out should we load up more requirements, the old Jewish law requirements on the new Gentile converts, you get this similar word in Acts 15 when the Jerusalem Council talks about here are the irreducible, the irreducible minimum of the things of God that must be adhered to as he's talking about these new converts to the faith in Acts 15, similar word. You get the fuller understanding of the word of God. You get reproof and you get correction, but this word helps me to understand that there's a specific and precise illumination of the meaning of scripture for God's application to your life. Now, of course, that's in conjunction with the obvious truth that's in the passage, but that God loves you and I so much that while he is giving this universal and clearly understood truth for all, he loves you and I so much that through the Holy Spirit, he illumines a particular passage so that our specific, Specific sin or struggle or worry or concern or fear or contentment is spotlighted and we can know where we stand with God. Now, we're trying to give you a lot of practical help. If you've watched Colin's video, he's drawn all over the place. If you look at Ashley's video, she's talking for over an hour about just a little chunk of scripture. And Colin's got this great stuff where he's marking up the paper and put the scripture on. I want you to look at that and do that and figure that out for yourself. Found a great tool online on Ligonier Ministries. It talked about reading your Bible with a pen in hand. So whether you mark up your Bible or you print the pages, put a question mark beside any passage you're reading that you don't understand, and then put an X beside any passage or scripture that kind of offends you or makes you uncomfortable or if you wonder if that rule still applies. Now, if you were to do this for several days, several weeks, several months, you would probably see more of your Bible, especially in the New Testament, being marked up with the X's. You'd have probably less questions and more if we were honest. Oh, I don't like that. I don't know about that. How am I supposed to do that in 2020? This could be a guide to the transformation that we need, where the X's show where our thinking is out of line with the Scripture. And if I don't like something that I read in Scripture... Perhaps I simply don't understand it, and so reading it again, digging deeper, getting some help might help. But if I do understand the passage and I still don't like it, this is not an indication that there's something wrong with your Bible. This is an indication that there might be something wrong with you or something wrong with me.
something that needs to change. Don't be discouraged. Don't beat yourself up. Be excited that God loved you so much that in your personal time in his scripture or as you listen to a sermon or a song, the word of God cut to your heart and you got to have that moment of God saying, I love you. I love you so much. Like a father or a mother who disciplines their child, I love you so much that I'm gonna keep you out of the street. I'm gonna keep you out of harm's way. I'm gonna keep you away from danger and I'm gonna protect you with my holy truths. Don't miss those resources we have for you online if you need help. We've got some training wheels for you, especially in Colin's deep cuts to figure out how to study the Bible yourself. Sometimes we need to change to get the result we want and not just complain that something isn't working. I find that in most facets of life, we like to vent and we like to complain, but if our job's on the line, we're gonna quit or we're gonna change. If our marriage is on the line, we're gonna quit or we're gonna change. If something in our life in sports or something in our life in how we're spending our time or what we're eating or exercise or lack thereof, if it's not working for us, we're either gonna give up or we're gonna change. I feel that in the Christian faith, I see a lot more quitting and a lot more giving up or a lot more just coasting because there's not any way to really check if I'm growing or not. But sometimes, wouldn't it be helpful to just take that common sense attitude with our faith and realize, you know, I'm mean, I'm snippy with people, I'm impatient, I'm fearful, I'm doubting. Maybe I should change. Now, this is kind of silly, but when I was younger and I was playing the guitar in front of people all the time, I would play at home, you know, when I was practicing and I'd just play these sweet licks, you know, and I'd just be like, and it would just be awesome. And then when I would get in front of people later, I would try to do the same thing that was a piece of cake in my room. And, you know, I would just, I would flub it up and I would mess it up. And I would, later on, I would think, well, like, I'm not, I'm not nervous. I'm not, I don't care what anybody thinks about this. I'm not bad. You know, I'm not choking. What is going on? But I was always so busy. I was always leading worship. I was always playing my guitar. I was always doing it in front of other people that I never really stopped. So it literally would be years of this where I'd be awesome at home or awesome in a casual setting. And I'd try to do something, you know, on stage and it wouldn't work. Well, one day I just realized when I was doing it at home, I held my guitar a certain way. I was relaxed. My wife says I'm so relaxed when I play at home that drool comes out sometimes. I was relaxed and I held the guitar this way and the, the, fr uh, the neck was up here, really easy to see and really easy to do. But for whatever reason, when I got to play in front of people, I would stand in front of the microphone and I would hold it, you know, Buck Owens hee-haw style and just kind of thinking about a million other things and I would mess up. One day I just realized like, oh, wait a minute. If I just hold it the same way every time I play it, it'll be just fine. And then all of a sudden, everything I could do at home, I could do anywhere else because I had recognized I was making an error and I just made this little shift. Now, you may or may not care about guitar, but aren't we like that with everything? Have you ever been working on your car and you're trying to do something and it's just not making any sense? You go away and you think about it and you go, you know, if I stop beating my carburetor with a hammer uh, and, you know, look up some instructions, maybe I can fix it that way. Or I've been having this problem in my garden. I've been having this problem at work. We just make this simple little thing of walking away, thinking about it, and I found this in my spiritual life. I don't, I always know the right answer when I read the Bible, but I don't always want the right answer when I read the Bible. 
And so you read it, you let it seep in, you walk away for a minute. Sometimes it takes a few days or a few weeks or a few failures. And often God begins to explain to you in your spirit how to now change and correct that error in your life. So many of you have experienced this and you know it to be true. Please tell someone else how it works. Take someone under your wing. Help someone else know how to be lovingly corrected by God's word. Correct the error in all of life and the result you want will come. You'll play the right notes, you'll fix your car, you'll overcome that thing on your computer that's driving you crazy. Now apply scripture in that way. Be corrected and love it. Let the scripture correct you with its truths on marriage, on dating, on feelings, on worry, on arrogance, on trust. But because remember, God's word does not exist to be a textbook or a source only of inspiration. God's word exists to lovingly and totally transform the way you believe, think, live, and relate. If you've forgotten, like so many of us have during the coronavirus scare, that you're not perfect or better than others in your response to it, if you've forgotten, just generally speaking, that you're not perfect and God is continually trying to transform you with perfect motives, I might add. Others want to change us. You can believe that. But God wants to do it with perfect and holy motives for your profit. Remember it now. Remember now that you're not perfect and God wants to transform you and come back to him. Let's finish up this week's section 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. I hope it's getting burned into your brains. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. It's profitable for training in righteousness. Training comes up here. Now we all miss competitive sports in our lives and on TV especially. And you think about it, we all really want the NBA to come back. I want it to come back. We definitely want there to be the NFL in the fall. And we're kind of split on whether we need baseball or not. Apologies. But one thing we haven't really thought about is if these athletes don't start coming back soon, they're not gonna be in shape to play these sports. Now, some of us might be okay with that. But if they don't get back to working out as a team, practicing, going through the playbook, they're not going to be able to perform on the field. So many people take scripture as just a personal thing between them and God. When it says here at the end, we're being trained to be a blessing in other people's lives. We're finding out that the scriptures are reliable and trustworthy. We're learning what it can do for us individually, but we're being put into play through training in righteousness. Training Greek, paideon, discipline, instruction, preparation. We'll get into this a lot next week, the ministry God has for you through the word, but it's important. We're being prepared, trained for the work of God. Our holiness, our repentance, our transformation, it all has a point so that God can use us. Okay, we are going to apply this scripture. It's not just gonna live in our brains or in our feelings. It's gonna live in our hearts and our actions. Very simple applications, but until I see everyone doing them, I'm not sure I wanna move on. First one, get a Bible. 
get a Bible. Get a paper Bible that you can write on, that you can open up, that you can look at. If you're so digital that you're just beyond that, make sure you have a good app on your phone. Make sure you have a good way to look at all of God's scriptures. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Change your approach to the Bible. Don't approach it first as a student or first for, oh, I need some inspiration today. Change your approach to the Bible. Life change first. Uh, Being conformed to the image of Christ first. Being made in the likeness of Jesus first. I will be faithful to complete the work I began in you first. Change your approach to the Bible looking for God's transformational power through the Holy Spirit when he uses his truth. Digest the Bible daily. Mentioned this last week, want to mention it again. We've got those training wheels for you. Use Collins video, deep cuts. Watch Ashley's Through the Bible on Thursday. All kinds of resources, but we're trying to get you to the point where you can just open the Bible yourself and you can have time with God. Fourth, obvious, but I want you to really think about it. View the Bible as a relational instructional guide. It's not theory, it's not esoteric, it's so that your life and your relationships may go better, may bless God, may be a witness to a lost world. Your answers are not in your friends. Your friends will always tell you if you're having marriage problems that you deserve better. Guess what? They're wrong. Your friends will often tell you if you whine about work that it's the other person's fault. You might have that one weird friend who asks you to look inside, but typically someone will tell you it's someone else's fault. And a lot of times it's just because we don't want to listen anymore. But a lot of times it's because we don't want to lose you as a friend when it would be those wounds of truth that would actually make us true friends. I want to tell some of you who are stuck at home, whether it's now or all the time, you can do better than someone's blog or some influencer's post on what life is all about and what true happiness is. Your answers are from God in his word. When you hear scriptures like forgive as you have been forgiven, love covers a multitude of sins, ask and it shall be given to you. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. When you hear scriptures like, I have hidden my word in your heart that I might not sin against thee. When you hear scriptures like, guard yourselves against all sorts of immorality. Restore a brother or sister with gentleness. When you hear scriptures like, do not judge lest you be judged. When you hear beautiful scriptures like, do not be anxious for anything but in everything by prayer and supplication make your requests known to God. These are not lofty small group discussion topics. These are not theological gems to unpack in a scholarly fashion. These are the words of God revealed to us, revealed to you so that you can have your best life and you can be filled with joy and peace and power and love, 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 love for your neighbor, love for your enemies, love for your God, love for yourself and love shown to everyone who needs the love of God. God's word exists for a purpose and it's to lovingly and totally transform the way you believe, the way you think, the way you live, and the way you relate. As we turn our hearts to worship, would you pray with me? Oh, Father God, 
as we sing these beautiful songs, may we note the Bible truths that we express as we live in a time of unprecedented fear, worry, and unease. May the church of God lead the way with love, humility, courage, and strength. May we never again view the Bible as a chore, as a relic, or as a charm, but may we see it for what it is, the word of God that uses the truth of God to reveal the heart of God to us. To us, because of your glory and your great love written on every page of your holy word and in every heart that confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's in the name of God that we worship and in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen.